0: Hello, my lovely kick-ass people, and welcome back to the ninth and final episode of our Kick-Ass Chicks podcast. I am your host, Jess Dosanjos, and as always, I'm joined by my wonderful friend and co-host, Mike McGlynn. Before we introduce our next guest, I just want to say thank you to all the wonderful guests of the show. The conversations that we've had have been so inspiring, and honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure to get to know each and every one of you. To you lovely people listening in to each of our shows, can I just say a big thanks from the bottom of my heart. Never did I think that we'd have so many of you tune in for each episode and to have such wonderful feedback honestly makes us the happiest little bees ever. So, without further ado, our guest this week is the amazing Shelley Bishop. Shelley is a really talented musician and was, until very recently, manager of Studios 301, the impressive studio, right here in Sydney. We spoke to Shelley pre-Covid, so things have changed a little since then, as you can probably imagine. So Shelley shares her journey with Mike and I and tells us about how she started out in the industry. From learning the saxophone when she was a teenager, to joining jazz bands, moving over Sees on her own to study, working super long days and nights to learn the ins and outs of recording and her transition into management. She really is one of the most impressive people I have ever met. She also talks to us about how she's managed the challenges and diversities she's faced and what she's currently doing to encourage more women to work in music. We hope you love listening to her as much as we love meeting her. Here she is, the wonderful kick-ass chick, Shelley Bishop. hi mike
1: hi jess
0: hello and welcome <laughs> shelly hi hi hey, guys Shelley. how, how are, you? are you thank you for having me thank you so much for being on the yeah. show we're very excited to speak to you so, we have um, a question that we ask all our guests, and the answers are really varied, so I really can't wait to hear yours. Do you think you are a kick-ass chick?
2: Absolutely. Yes! yes. <laughs> Love
0: that. Love that. We've had really varied answers, and I'm glad to say that a lot have said, yep, totally. I'm like, yes, completely own it. And then some <laughs> have been like, uh, oh, maybe, Mm, I'm okay, I guess I've done this uh, Subtlety stuff, is not one of my traits Yeah, <laughs> so it's really, really cool It's um, pretty refreshing to hear that Because a lot of women that I speak to are pretty humble And like, yeah I'm alright It's
1: whatever. not that you're not humble in saying that
0: Sorry, that was a yeah. wrong, wrong expression <laughs> yeah, But lo- you know what I mean A
1: lot of people are really humble But clearly you're <laughs> not <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: we're just start. getting to know yeah. each other. This is <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. Anyway,
1: Shelley, thanks so much for yeah. coming in.
0: <laughs> See you guys. Yeah.
1: Leave a good yeah. review when you go. <laughs> Excellent interview yeah. skills.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so you are studio manager at Studio Studio One. Tell us about how you got there because I know that your journey to get there has been quite varied. you have obviously from Australia originally but have spent a lot of time in the US. Tell us about that. So
2: I started playing the saxophone when I was 14 because I wanted to be like Lisa Simpson. Yes. That's not even a joke. It's a real it's a real fact. That's amazing. the best. So I, my parents bought me a saxophone for Christmas because Did I was you? obsessed with The Simpsons and I wanted Aww. to be like Lisa because she was like the only girl in the band and it was super cool and I thought that was amazing. Yeah.
1: I love that. Are um, you a Bleeding Gums Murphy yes, fan? Yes, I know. I am absolutely.
2: <laughs> Um, So then, yeah, and I fell in love with jazz music and I started going to jazz clubs and getting my dad to drive me to like all the little jazz clubs in Brisbane and he'd stay in the car and wait for me and I'd go to gym and bring my, bring my sax with me everywhere. Um, And then, yeah, it kind of just started my affinity with wanting to play saxophone professionally. Um, And then I met... A really wonderful mentor of mine who's still a great mentor who um, is a very, very well-renowned classical conductor. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and her name's Professor Judith Grimes and she's in Chicago. Yeah, wow. uh, She teaches at Elmhurst College and she was absolutely brilliant um, classical uh, conductor of orchestras.
0: Mm. And she
2: kind of remained a bit of a mentor for me throughout my schooling years, and then always said, you know, when one day when you graduate, you can come to Chicago and study with me. And I always thought that in the back of my mind, oh, that's never going to happen. Um, and then yeah, so you I,
1: met her in Brisbane.
2: Yeah, she she came and did a workshop at my high school. Yeah, wow. um, yeah. Kind of picked me out of the band and cool. And, yeah, wow. and I I showed her a few of my little songs that I'd written, and then every time I'd do a, an assessment with school, I'd send her a video of my jazz group or something. So she met, she was a really brilliant mentor um, through my whole high school career. That's
0: incredible. And then,
2: yeah, she, I just like, yeah, she really kind of gave me the, you know, the confidence to actually, to actually do it and actually go for it. So brilliant. out of high school, I moved to Chicago by myself with my saxophone on my back (laughs) to go study with Judy. Uh, and that was four years I did at Elmhurst college. Um, I did a degree in music business and jazz studies yeah. and um, I spent a lot of time touring in Europe and South America, um, playing in a whole bunch of big jazz festivals, jazz wow. combos. I was basically playing with all the people that I looked up to and would yeah, spend hours wow. in my little room in Brisbane trying to yeah. transcribe their solos and it was like a dream absolutely wow. come true. And
0: you went there on your own? Yeah. Wow.
2: Which was scary but yeah. <laughs> no, it was it was honestly the scariest and best thing I ever did. Um, And then I started working at a recording studio over there Mm -hmm. um, and that was the biggest independent studio in the country at the time, um, Chicago Recording Company, which is a massive, big complex. Mm. And they had about 13 studios across two different locations. So I started as an intern not knowing anything about audio engineering Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I just Took it for everything it was worth, and would play sax on the engineers' albums in exchange mm-hmm. for getting them to teach me how to plug mics in. And Brilliant. I would, yeah. you know, write horn parts for. I, I found a really great groove um, writing horn parts for rap and and hip hop albums in Chicago. Awesome. Because um, they had a massive scene bubbling there, mm-hmm. and I, I did a lot of assistant work, assistant engineering work, and then the studio. Finally hired me, which was awesome. <laughs> so I wrote back to my and Dad. I was like, "I got a job!
0: I'm gonna I'm stay." For this. <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, it was it was a really grueling couple of years, cutting my teeth and just playing every single gig I possibly could, doing so many free sessions, beg, borrowing, bartering mm. all hmm. my skill sets mm. I possibly could. Mm. And then the studio hired me, um, and then so I'd work at the studio during the day, and then at night I'd come in with all my bands and re- track and produce yeah, and record. Um,
1: and so was that part of the deal that you got free studio time?
2: We did a bit of a trade, yeah. yeah. So I'd like do admin during the day and work on the desk and then I get to sneak in and, and you know, play horn with some of the engineers or, or whatever it was, cool. um, which was cool. And then I went back to grad school and I got my MBA from Northwestern, um, which is an absolutely brilliant yeah. school in, mm-hmm. in Chicago. So I did my business degree there and then I started working for Paradigm Talent Agency mm-hmm. Um, I was in the, that agency, like the bookings department there doing tour logistics and um, doing some of their contract work. So yeah, and I was in the US for just shy of 10 years, about, about eight and a half, nine years. Yeah. And I yeah, it was a whirlwind and it was the, the best, I think the best decision I ever made. Yeah,
0: I bet that was such a great experience, but biggest learning curves mm-hmm. while you were there. But Absolutely. Just full circle of emotions, I think. <laughs> I know. Sorry, that was probably the longest <sighs> intro that anyone's ever done. I'm so impressed. <laughs> like, it takes someone really brave to go anywhere but on your own mm. to America and then to be interning and just mm. working your ass off to mm. get somewhere. That's incredible.
1: Well, How the- many people do you know who have sat in their bedroom and – listen to all their heroes and then got to play with them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's a like that's a mm. really really Absolutely. rare dream come true kind of story.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I I think like a lot of it I don't know. I kind of think that there's there's a difference between, you know, being at the right place at the time but at the right place at the right time but you also have to be the right person. You mm-hmm. have to be ready for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Totally. And had I gone there a few years earlier, I wouldn't have been ready to yeah. do that so yeah. when I was there I was ready to work and I was ready to you know put it all on the line and I was doing sometimes 18 hour days just you know I'd go mm. to work and then I'd have a jam session and then I'd do a like a recording session and then I'd go write a horn part at someone's studio and then mm. go back to work and you know it was just mm. like a constant mm. grind but I had I, there was no other option you know like yeah it, that was it for me yeah
1: and people who'd in the music business probably don't really know what it's like to work an 18-hour day and and (laughs) feel more energised at the end of it than you did at the start.
2: Absolutely. It's a strange thing and... To not know, like, <laughs> that's so funny when you say that because, like, what part of it are you getting paid? <laughs> you know, yeah. like a lot yeah. of it is also like the music industry. It's not like a for, a, for at least my, the beginning of my career, it's not a salaried thing. It's, mm. I'd do three or four free sessions in the hope that someone would hire me mm. to mm. do a live stage show that then I could get paid. Mm. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it's so much legwork and after hours work mm. in the mm. hope that you finally kind of get your foot in and get get something structured
0: you know. So in your experiences like I mean America's a whole, wholly different place to Australia mm-hmm. I imagine anyway. How was it working in the industry? Was it sort of it obviously wasn't easy and you had to put your your work in but did you face any obstacles? Did you face any sort of oh, adversities?
2: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I mean I was the only female on a whole male engineering staff mm. Um, mm. and I mean at that as well I was I came in with absolutely no audio engineering experience. I'd done a handful of classes in college, mm-hmm. but I was a jazz sax player. Yeah. Like I wasn't an engineer by any means. Yeah. Mm. Everything I learnt was on the job. Yeah. Mm. And it was by exchanging my skills to learn more. Mm. Um, How
1: much do you think though that although you don't have the skills as an engineer,
2: mm.
1: you're training your your ear for years leading up to that. So oh, you yeah. know what great records sound like, yeah. right?
2: I mean, managing the country's biggest studio now, I know exactly what I'm doing because I understand mm. the other side of it. I'm yeah. not as simple as book the big blue room. It's like yeah. Yeah. I was an engineer and a producer for years, so I, I know how to talk to the staff. I know what the engineers are going through. I've, I've lived it. I've worked it. Yeah. And yeah. especially with clients, I can I can talk gear with them, yeah. and that's a huge asset.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah
2: huge. Yeah. But it sounds
0: like you had a pretty supportive environment when you were working in terms of exchanging your time for their yeah. time and mm. after hours for some sort studio, of training. That, yeah, no,
2: that studio literally I, I owe them a lot of my success as well because they gave me the leg up and they opened the door mm. basically. Yeah. I mean I worked so hard but they were they were so supportive and still are to this day. Brilliant. Um, so supportive of me and my career. And I kind of like the studio manager of CRC. Her name's Sarah, and she's she's a kick-ass chick, by the way. <laughs> she's amazing. She was like always my studio mother, nice. and I'd always nice. look up to her. And I'd always, now that I'm talking about it, like all of these key mentors in my career have been women. Now, weirdly, I was just going to ask you that. I've never actually thought about that. Not all exclusively women, but the two the two main ones that I've mentioned thus far have been females. Mm. But mm. um, but yeah, it, Sarah was like a studio mother to me, amazing. and anytime I'd have some kind of challenge or problem even now sometimes I still call her yeah. like hey, that's so good. <laughs> what's going on she's like what are you doing I'm like hey I've <laughs> got a question and then she'll call me and be like I've got a question I'm like why are you asking me that's <laughs> yeah. incredible no she's yeah she's a, a really great friend now but yeah that, that's so that studio really really did set me up and they gave me absolutely every opportunity yeah, wow. and um I mean I worked I worked damn hard but yeah it, it was a really great relationship that I still have now incredible
1: um there seems to be a, a real narrative at the moment, particularly on social media, of people talking about, oh, you don't work for exposure, you should never work for free. Mm-hmm. And most successful people I know have spent thousands of hours not being paid for their mm-hmm. for their music. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that?
2: I think there's definitely something to be said for valuing yourself as an asset and valuing your skills, Um I definitely would not have achieved anything had I not put in a lot of unpaid hours. I, mm. I kind of had to mm. in order to make the connections. And it's it's about basically investing in yourself. And, it like, I would never, you know, encourage someone to undermine their own assets or their own skills or to, you know, purposefully go out of their way to, you know, work for free. Yeah. Um, having known, you know, how how long it takes to get skilled at something and how much time and energy it, it takes to get to a point like that. Yeah. But having said that, like I there is no possible way I would be in the position I was had I not yeah, yeah. gone to every jam session I could, went to every networking function I possibly could, spent countless yeah. hours, you know, online trying to just meet people, mm. offer my services, play gigs, that kind mm. of stuff. Mm. Like it, It's almost a bit of a necessity.
0: Yeah. Mm. And I guess as you were going along sort of initially when you went and you were working for free, you Mm -hmm. were contacting people, you were, you know, interning, Mm -hmm. um, when you first got that gig, I bet you were like, yes, you know, (laughs) ringing your mum and dad and like, I've got a job, I've made it. Mm -hmm. That's my first Mm -hmm. sort of Mm kick-ass moment. Have you had, I'm assuming you've had sort of various moments along your career where you've just thought, yes, I've made it. I've made the next step. I've Mm. reached the next milestone. I'm killing it.
2: Every now and then, it's like I won't realize it until kind of after the fact, yeah, and okay. something really cool will happen. And then the, ne- the next week, I'll be like, wow, that was how did I get here? Yeah. I mm. had so many of those moments working in Chicago when I mean, I'm a jazz horn player and I got to work with Stevie Wonder, and that was the coolest oh. thing oh that's ever happened oh my to me gosh. ever. And it, for a split, you know, for a moment I'm like, how am I in this room? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've come from my little house in Brisbane and I'm standing there plugging his mic in and it just flipped my mind for a, yeah. for a second, That's you know. That's pretty
0: hard to comprehend.
2: Um, so many moments like that. Yeah. Um, even now with with the studio and with the team that we've built, it, mm. every now and then I kind of just look around and I, I just have a moment where I'm like, whoa, this can't get better. This is yeah. this mm. is unreal. Like yeah. I'm so proud of what we're doing. And
0: Yeah. Would you say the Stevie moment is your biggest achievement today or biggest success oh it be one of them yeah for yeah, sure
2: that a pinch be me moment. for a, for a horn player yeah for a horn player that's that that's was anyone
1: That's, <laughs> well, that's incredible. The, i wish has the greatest yeah. horn line of all sure time does. i reckon yeah okay. you know how you were talking about um the conductor that came mm-hmm. to brizzy there's not a lot of saxophone in classical music right <laughs> No. So, how, what was, yeah, and so, she was a classical conductor, right? So,
2: yeah, she's a classical conductor, but she conducts what's called a wind ensemble, which typically has alto and tenor saxophones in it. Okay. It's kind of like a cross between your classical symphonic orchestra and a marching band. Okay. Yeah. So wind ensemble repertoire, look at me sounding all educated. <laughs> <laughs> wind ensemble repertoire is really, really big in the United States. Yeah, so cool. a lot of the time the saxophones would be doubling um, euphonium parts or bassoons or yeah. stuff like that. But the, the material is written for saxophone. Right. And there is a whole repertoire, would you believe, of classical saxophone music. Marcel Mule is I like the believe. father of classical saxophone. Well, my- I hate classical saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't. I don't. I My don't.
1: grandfather was um, a violinist for the Sydney Symphony Orchestra. Oh, amazing. And he also played saxophone for the SSO. Oh, wow. But it, because most classical pieces don't have saxophone, he was mainly playing violin. But mm. every now and then yeah. he'd have to, you know, be the sax guy. That's
2: it. Wow. The thought of
1: being able to play violin at SSO level and saxophone. That's unreal. I think it's crazy.
2: Wow. Yeah, I like... I can't really. I play piano a little bit. I played the drums for a while, and my parents hated that. So right, like that. Right. But yeah, in the in all the jazz bands I played in, you have to be able to double or triple for a wind player, So you have to be able to play saxophone, flute, and clarinet. Yeah. So yes. I mean, if anyone's ever heard me play a clarinet, it's not great.
1: <laughs> I bet it is. Can kind and of do you skate play,
2: by on flute. But. Do you play
1: like baritone and?
2: Yeah, I played. I played all. I mean, I played tenor. That's my yeah, main saxophone, nice. but I played all of them.
1: Have you played bass? Sach. No.
2: No, I've, I've had seen a guy in I've here seen one, but I haven't.
1: And it'd be
2: Yeah, they're that huge. Tall, yeah.
1: Which is not great for a podcast because I'm making say. a gesture. <laughs> uh, but they're like four or five feet tall. They're massive, Jeez. yeah. Jeez. Yeah. They're incredible. And the breath pressure just to get a note oh, out yeah. of those things. Good grief. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so you've uh you've obviously worked super hard to to crack the industry and some of the main mentors that you've had in your career have been females. Mm. It seems like the representation of females in the industry was pretty low when you started, particularly yeah. in the engineering scene. Absolutely. Has that changed now? Or do you think, it I mean, the last time I read some data, yeah. it was about like 30% females in the industry. And that's you know, in the yeah. industry across, as a whole or? across yeah. yeah. Across yeah. The engineering
1: industry as I a whole. Would be so lower. En-
2: engineering yeah. and production with yeah. females is two percent. Yikes. Which yeah, is crazy. We're working so hard.
1: Why we are working is that, so hard
2: to change it. There's so many there's so many factors that go into it. I mean, for me, I growing up I never saw female engineers, so I didn't think it was something mm. I could do. Yeah. I know that sounds so stupid.
1: No, not at but all. The same
2: the same as Jazz Horn. It literally took someone saying, Hey, you're really good. You should pursue this. For me to go, Oh wait, maybe maybe I can do this. Mm. Like it just not seeing that representation for me at least. Well, I mean,
1: you saw it in Lisa deter- Simpson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's crazy. Yeah, you know?
2: that's actually quite true. Yeah, I was inspired by a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: So, how are we going to change the representation, and particularly yeah. in the areas of, for example, engineering and production?
2: Mm-hmm. We're we're working so hard at the studio now. We've yeah. we've teamed up with so many amazing partners: Music New South Wales and APRA mm-hmm. AMCOS, um, and we're doing female in music production courses. We're doing workshops. We've done Q&A sessions. We do mentoring. Yeah. Um, awesome. Just trying to give young girls the chance and give them the opportunity because in the same way when they come to us at the studio, they, they just don't think that it's something that they can do, which is yeah. really, it's really awful, you know. Yeah. Um, but we try and leverage our position as much as possible to give them access to resources and people who are currently doing it to, you know, encourage them and give them the push to mm-hmm. say you can do this you know, it's, it's up to you. You just got to take the reins of it. And there's always going to be support. You just, you just got to look for it. You know,
0: I think, um, one of the, the, I mean, I only decided to try out in this whole music biz 18 months ago. Um, and that was partly because, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do in music. So I knew I didn't want to perform and then, Hey, what, what else is there to do other than be a music teacher? (laughs) Mm. So, you know, in my mind, what was the option? There was Mm -hmm. nothing other than perform or be a teacher. And I didn't want to do either of those. And then it also wasn't the choice that was encouraged by my parents. But that's Mm. that's another really long story that I won't go into. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it took, like, 15 years for me to kind of see more and more people coming Mm. up on the scene that I would recognize and say, oh, that looks like a pretty cool job. I wonder if I could do that. And, like, who do I know? Mm. Oh, no one. And, like –
1: Did you have a moment – where you went, oh, hold on, there's another option here?
0: I think it was – I actually don't think there was. Hmm. I think um, I just came to the realisation because I was speaking to one of my friends who was kind of trying to discuss the whole scenario and what I could do, and I just got so sick of my job basically – that I just Googled and was like, what can I do? Mm. Like music jobs. Wow. What can you do in music? Like I think it was just a case of a Google search. Mm. Yeah. Um, Do you remember what came up? Oh, God, no.
1: Right.
0: It would have been performer, everything. And then I was just like (laughs) scrolling through trying to work out what everyone did and what that meant and if it was viable and if I might be interested. And then it was Mm. like, oh, great, which one do I try now in the hope that (laughs) I like it? Yeah. It's like, shit, it's pretty, um, pretty overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So I love, I went to a um, women in music event at Studios 301 and there was an amazing panel of really different women. Like there was a producer, there was an engineer, there was an intern, there was a classical um, like expert. She was incredible. Um, Obviously yourself and like Jackie Louis Shule, who's amazing Yeah, like ridiculous. Mm. That was probably the first time um, that I thought shit there's loads of people here yeah and there's so many people I could reach out to and so many opportunities Mm -hmm. for me I've got to stick to this I've got to find out more and it was only from things like that that I that was probably when I thought yeah I need to I need to get into this this Mm -hmm. is really inspiring and the fact that it was full of women with sort of an exception of a handful of men Mm. That was really empowering because mm. a lot of the events that I go to and in corporate as well, like I'm, I've got a corporate job full of men. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. then it can be quite intimidating. Mm-hmm. So, to, so go, to go to an event like that, yeah. I just think makes all the difference, especially if you're sort of really young and influential. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What's really mm.
2: staggering is that there's a big gap. The, the graduates that come out of tertiary education or with bachelor's degrees in music or music education, it's pretty on par. It's mm. it's about 60-40 and then by the time they get into industry, it's like where did all the girls go? So what is it? Yeah, I what it did is. They, where yeah. did they go? Absolutely. It's it's always something to me that's just been staggering.
0: Yeah, like, wow. What would you say is your biggest tip to any young ladies thinking about joining the industry?
2: I would say make as many friends as you can. Mm. There are people that I went to networking events with, exchanged business cards with three or four years ago that only now I'm actually you, like we're utilizing each other in some capacity. Mm. Mm. So you never know where you're going to meet someone that it's going to absolutely change the trajectory of your career. Yeah, mm. I was just a shameless networker and still am. Yeah, because mm. I think that you can learn fr- you can learn something from e- everyone and anyone. Absolutely. Like you know, everyone is is so. Um, kind of tapped into their own little lane and everyone's kind of got blinkers on a lot of the time,
0: mm.
2: I would just say meet as many people as you possibly can. Mm. Like and and that's- I think
0: there's quite a lot of free events and networking opportunities mm. in Sydney at least. I don't mm-hmm. know about broader Australia and yeah. beyond that, but I think Sydney there's enough going on for you to Mm -hmm. be able to be doing something quite regularly.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like things like um, Women in Music Sydney, that's an awesome group. Um, There's so many great – I used to go to jam sessions and just find out where the musos were going. And i just go and check out like what gigs are they going to. And then at the gigs you meet managers and agents. And then from there, you know, you go to another show and then you might meet someone who works at a label who introduces you to a publisher or, you know, everyone – the industry is great. I remember being on the outside of it and kind of looking in and going like, how do I get in? It's like a big glass tank
0: Yeah, Hmm. and you like see all
2: the fish swimming around in the middle and you're like, how do I get in there? But (laughs) it literally takes a couple of of hooks, like a couple of people. Once you start getting your little network going,
0: it just turns into a web. Mm. So the music industry I think has got this kind of perception that it's a horrid place to work as a female. But your experiences don't sound like that at all. Do you think you've been fortunate, or do you just think that it's something that you've overcome without sort of recognizing um, oh, that maybe
2: uh, there were a lot of horrible, horrible uh, experiences? Oh, really? oh yeah, absolutely. But
0: not because you're a female. Oh no, there have been. Oh really?
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I. I mean, I was working in you know a lot of um a lot of session like recording sessions mm-hmm. or. I've done a lot of things where it was you know, made very apparent that I was the only female in the room and wow. um, there have been a lot of times where I've had, you know, run-ins with people like uh, yeah. and a lot of challenges I've had to overcome. I'm kind of painting it like a big yay, hooray <laughs> kind of picture at the moment, which it is for the most part, but I, yeah, I've definitely had my fair share of adver- adversity and challenges. And mm.
1: Can you give us some examples? Uh, like is there any yeah. moment that comes to mind where?
2: <laughs> oh, just like um, I think I used this example recently but like, there were, you know, something that sticks to mind is like I was practising so hard for a really big gig and I, I was playing this massive jazz festival in Europe and then I don't think there was any hard feelings but, you know, one of the trombone players was like, give the solo to the chick. And I'm like, "Ah, oh, like uh, I practised so hard for this. Like
1: yeah. give the yeah. solo to the sax
2: player. <laughs> yeah. Like, and for, I'm sure he wasn't, you know, trying to yeah. – but it, it just made it apparent that that's – yeah. That was that's me and that's really why I was fucked. there and I was But you know what I mean? Like yeah. little things like that where you just eats at you a little bit enough to to question, wait a minute, should I be here? Is this why I'm here? Like
0: yeah. Am, yeah. I, am I, am here, I bec- here on my credits? Am I here because I'm right, a kick ass yeah. saxophone player? Yeah. Am I here
2: because they needed to fill a quota or something? You yeah. know. Yeah. Because thing- as
1: a guy, I've never had someone go, Oh, I'd give the solo to the, the boy. dude. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean little <laughs> things like that. But there's certainly been like, you know, other experiences that have been very bad, <laughs> like you know. Yeah, don't sure. let her do that. She doesn't know what she's doing. That etc. How how mm. do you
0: deal with those situations? I it, mean, there's di- there's different situations. Yeah. There are situations that are way more severe than others. But oh, even in those sort of scenarios where yeah. you know you just get commented as to being the only chick or like mm. give the solo to the chick, mm. sort of the almost like the token add to absolutely, the group. Yeah. How do you how do you manage to you just, not no, Let him get the to balls. You. I just did my job better than anyone else in the room. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah.
2: awesome.
0: I would go find my support network,
2: get better, and then come back, yeah. and then just just made me better. Yeah. You know, and I know that a,
0: that's, that's great. I um I have an interesting scenario for you. So many of my incidences where I've been pulled up on being a woman, mm. some of the situations have been by other women. Mm. And I found that way more tricky to deal with than some guy that's just a bit threatened, which inevitably it yep. is. Have you had any of those situations? Absolutely. They break me. Yes, I can agree with that. They hurt me so much more. Yes. How have you dealt with it?
2: I, um yeah, it's funny. that Probably some of the worst run-ins I've had have been with women. <laughs> which I hate is, that. It's it awful. It sucks. Yeah, because you just – you're on the same team. Like you're trying yeah. to do the same thing. And I don't know if if some of it is them seeing me or yourself as a threat, or mm. you know, I it's if women have this funny way of standing on each other's shoulders to make themselves look bigger rather than pulling someone up and getting and helping them mm. in a strange way. And I think it become it, it it stems from constantly having to fight to be in the room. I think it stems from always looking over your shoulder. Double checking yourself, it comes from maybe it comes from that insecurity, yeah. but yeah, I've definitely had really bad run-ins
0: with with other women in industry,
2: and it's it's terrible because it's just like that
0: just, to me is more demoralizing than sort of going through the usual systemic sort of sexist yeah absolutely obstacles and but I women- think
2: yeah I, I mean and that's what I mean I think it comes down from insecurity it comes down to insecurity that's where it stems from and then also them not seeing me as an asset someone they can work with and leverage and yeah. do better with but they see me as a threat but that's not the case and it shouldn't yeah. be the case yeah. does
1: that imply that if they see you as a threat that it's almost like they're acknowledging that there can only be one right. chick?
2: yeah exactly
1: and that that reinforces the sense of tokenism or I think why? so
2: and like yeah absolutely yeah I I, def- I definitely see that it's not like a you know, there's a there's a term called zero sum competition, which means that there can only in the, in a running race, there literally only one person can win. Mm. Mm. But I think that's what's drilled into our mind sociologically mm. is that like there only one person can do this sometimes, yeah. which is not the case. And I think you know if we all worked together Absolutely and helped each everyone. other, yeah, you know. But yeah a lot of women out there are amazing and want to help each other. I want to leverage each other's talents and skills, but I, yeah, to answer your question, I've definitely had mm. less yeah. than nice interaction. And
1: tell me if this is just not a helpful question, mm. but do you think it's better in Australia or the U S
2: women in an industry?
1: Yeah. your experiences with all this stuff?
2: Um, it, uh, oh.
1: do you notice a difference
2: a little bit, it all like the U.S. in general is more cutthroat for everyone. Yeah. Okay. Like when I was in industry over there, it was like if if you know you have to do the the eighteen hour crazy thing because everyone else is working twice as hard as you, and yeah. if you're not doing that, then you're not even making the bar. Yeah. Um, here I'd say like there are there are much more kind of structured work environments, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um. There's not as many expectations. There's just, it comes down to population density. There's just not as many people doing the same thing you're doing. Mm.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, every second when I was in the States, I was like, there's another sax player on my back trying to get my gig.
0: <laughs> that ties into, you know, yeah, yeah. That male or female. There's my... someone behind me who's working
2: twice as hard as me trying to get my gigs. I was going to say, <laughs> have you
0: ever had that, that process where, you know, in, in America it's more cutthroat? Mm. Did, did you ever just think, shit, maybe I'm just not doing the right thing? maybe i'm not in the right. What do you mean industry. like
1: can you elaborate on yours? So
0: so it just like I, when I, you
1: I, when you thought maybe you weren't doing the right thing. Yeah, so
0: so mine like if i have issues with guys or guys have issues with me in work, you know, it's generally not something i concern myself over too much. Whereas when it comes from someone who's a female, i'm always like, ah, oh, cuz i know how much i try to lift other women, mm-hmm. that I just think, oh, maybe I'm not doing something quite right. Like, is it me? Maybe I'm not actually good enough because if she doesn't think I am, then she must be justified in some way.
2: Right. Yeah. No, right. I, I understand that. Yeah. We, we have so many fact checkers in our brains constantly. Yeah. Oh. like, It's, stra- like, it's, it's hard perfect. to, huh. you know, it's hard to explain to someone. There's yeah. so many times where you're just like, creating these checklists in your head, like I have to do this or say this or that person's like, you know, what? it's
0: it's, it's yes. ingrained in
2: you yeah. kind of thing. But I will say, this is something I tell everyone on this topic because um, I'm very passionate about this topic and I talk about it a lot, but I will say that it was never my issue until it was made my issue. Like I didn't realise I was the only, per- like, only girl in the band or I didn't realise I was mm-hmm. the outlier until the industry told me I was so. Or until right. the world told me I was so, I kind of just was like, I love jazz music. <laughs> I'm gonna play the saxophone. Yeah, because Lisa does it and she's cool. Yeah, and then yeah. you know, and in, until the everyone kind of started making it my problem. It. Yeah, <laughs> you know.
1: So does that mean <laughs> even having conversations like this, are in some way counterproductive? No, I, like the fact that we're like, let's focus on <laughs> female issues. <laughs>
0: I hope are not. We of the problem- <laughs> are
1: we part of the problem, Jess? Like, let's
0: just cut this now. Shall we? <laughs> no, no. I, like this is supposed to be something to empower women. Absolutely. And to be that kind of platform for yeah. people to see how kick ass some of the women are Absolutely. in the industry and to strive to be like, be like them, them or do yeah. that job or just mm. be inspired. And know that there's fucking nice people out there.
2: Absolutely. There's always going to be someone to help you and, and lend a hand. Yeah. But like, oh yeah, there was nothing like this when I was like coming up in the industry. I don't even think podcasting was
0: a thing. i like, no, yeah. I don't think it was. <laughs> yeah. Definitely wasn't a thing for me growing up. Yeah. You don't think you've ever thought, I wish I'd chosen a different career path. No, no way. Not even with flights <laughs> piloting. Is that I even love the right word? Piloting. <laughs> piloting, piloting, <laughs> piloting, piloting. Um, Is that the right word? Is yeah, right then then not?
1: Piloting Is a plane, p- <laughs> isn't it?
2: I'll
0: just say aviation. Aviation.
2: <laughs> um, no, there was like I, I grew up loving planes, and I'm like a super aviation freak. Just so everyone, just put that out there, <laughs> so we all know. Mm-hmm. I loved planes and music equally growing up. Yeah. But like music, something that just speaks to you, and you just, I've just, it, there's never been any other option. Amazing. It's you just. I've just been chasing it and mm. I'm still chasing it. And I think I'm going to chase it forever. You just,
0: yeah. you must get to meet so many different people I do. from different <laughs> areas of the industry. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah, It's fun. Lucky I'm a people person. Hey. I- <laughs> I <was gonna> say. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. It's been really great to speak to you. I am pretty blown away by what you've done and what you are doing. Like it's really, really impressive. And I'm, positive it's going to inspire a load of people that are listening to this so thank you so much for your time no thank you um, so much for having me i will see you at one of your events very soon i'm sure <laughs> thank you so much for yeah. having me thank you thank you thank guys you. thank you mike
1: thank you jess As you're also a legend <laughs> you're
0: all kick-ass chicks is, guys. guys
1: <laughs> thank you i love that very much <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>
2: Now, come on and bounce with it. Come on, let's go now. Come on, let's get it, get it. Follow this flow now. We're about to witness